Hi, I'm Dan, and if you're new to homebrewing, so am I. Welcome to my adventures in homebrewing. Hey everybody, it's that time once more to go around the world one more time and have a beer or two along the way. Thank you so much for coming out this week. Let's say thanks to Cal Wallner of the Electric Brewery, uh, who gave us a walkthrough of his electric uh, brewing at his place. It was like quite the quite the setup. It's like a small craft brewery in his basement. You know, it was bar, his separate brew room. It's pretty cool. I do say, uh, if you're looking at building this yourself, uh, he is the guy to go and tee up with and check out. So this week uh we have one third of the homebrew happy hour with us we have the the one and the only james carlson the man who was not on the show last time so this week we get them all to ourselves and we can heckle josh and he can't do anything about it i'm not gonna <laughs> no, pick, <he> can't. <laughs> i'm not gonna pick on todd because you no know, todd controls a lot but we can pick on josh <laughs> it's all day all long yeah yeah he's, he's fair game <laughs> so hang tight we'll be right back as we get a word from our sponsor Hey, it's Dan here one more time, and I'm happy to say that we are now, or should I say my podcast is now sponsored by Escarpment Laboratories, yeast production for the fermentation of the exceptional craft beer. Whether your kit is on the stovetop or in a commercial brew house, wholesale yeast and quality control for the profitable pro brewer, community engagement and education for the discerning home brewery. If you are a craft brewer and you love using quality yeast, then you really do need to check out Escarpment Laboratories. The BrewTubers online store has everything you need for your brewing apparel and gift idea needs with a growing selection of colors and sizes for hoodies, t-shirts, and caps. Stickers and magnets? Got them. Can holders and coffee mugs? We've got those too. Be the boss of your neighborhood and the envy of brewers everywhere when you flash that beautiful BrewTubers logo at your next local brewing competition. Want everyone to know you're a part of the brew world order? Strike a Superman pose with that BWO logo on your chest and make them all take notice. And if you haven't already, get over to our website at www.brewtubers.com and become a member. Then. Just mosey yourself over to that BrewTuber store tab, click on it, and open the door to show the world you are a proud BrewTuber. Brew, record, post, repeat. And we're back. So, like I said, uh, we were fortunate to have someone uh, that I actually have been following a bit and also helped me choose uh, when I was getting back into home brewing my actual uh, Brewzilla or the Robo Brew at the time. So it's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, James, how mm -hmm. are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Dan? Good, man. Thanks for being on the show. Great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It. So how about you tell us about a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Todd and James uh, sure. and Josh? Well, I started a long time ago, probably like a lot of home brewers and decided that I could save money if I just brewed at home. And boy, was I in for a rude awakening because that was just not, that's not the reason to get into home brewing. So my first setup, I drove all the way to Dallas on a Sunday, got the bug, wanted to get the equipment made the worst batch of first batch of beer I think I've ever had. I had to pour it out. It was so bad. And that's when I regrouped. <laughs> I kind of had to sit down and think, okay, I just blew $500. Now this was back in around 2003, okay. 2004. So 
still a lot of money, especially for me at the time. And I thought, do I really want to do this and make a concerted effort to, to, to learn it the right way? Well, YouTube was fairly young back then. There was still mm-hmm. a, a few videos on YouTube, not, not anything to write home at, but I got the uh, Homebrewing for Dummies book, which, and then of course got the uh, Papazian's book. Yep. And just read, bought magazines, just immersed myself in it. Second batch, I brewed a wheat beer and it was actually really good. And that's from there on, I was, I was hooked. So, you know, rock on a few years and I had uh, conned a bunch of my friends into pulling our money together. And we built a, we called Big Bertha. It's a 40 gallon all grain gravity flow system. Damn. And I remember we, we bought Blankman's largest bull kettle. It was 50 gallons. Mm-hmm. So I remember trying to find the biggest cooler I could get. It was basically just a, a, a just a, I guess you would call a, a batch sparge set up for the most part, a little tweaking. It's kind of a hybrid, but um, we brewed on that for, for many years and had real good luck with it. And uh, Todd found Todd moved into the area and, and look, asked around who brewed. And I was about the only one that people knew. Right. And I'll never forget, I was working at the job at, at that time. Todd walked in and introduced himself and said that he, he has keg connection and that he would like to brew beer with me sometime. And we uh, became fast friends and he picked the right day to come in and talk to me. Uh, I actually was getting his oil changed. I worked at the dealership at the time and I was pretty, uh, pretty burnt out. Yeah. And he gave me a look and I was getting coffee and he said, James, I turned around and he looked at me and he goes, are you all right? And I said, no, nah, I've had better days. And he get, had to get a little grin on his face. And he said, let's go to lunch. I want to, I want to ask you about something. And that was when he entered, he offered me a job and I was dot, I was gone. I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. Best job I've ever had. Great boss. Uh, we get to play around with equipment and we travel around and travel and drink beer and brew yeah. beer and, I put the bug in his ear about building him his own herm system at home. And he was like, well, why don't you just try to try to do that? So I built a, a controller from scratch from parts from Amazon. And uh, we, we found the kettles and we, we kind of pieced together a herm system. And he brewed for over a year on that until we oh, actually wow. developed what we have now, the brow tog. So it was about four years worth of playing around and, and, you know, lots of headaches and a lot of problems that we had to fix, but we're there now and we're pretty proud of the system. Right on. So now Herms is heat exchange recirculating mesh, right? Right. Okay. And RIMS is recirculation infusion mesh. That's correct. You've got basically a little, uh, a tube with an element in it that the wart passes through. So it's not unlike, uh, an all-in-one with the element at the bottom. Mm-hmm. You've got so, a thermocouple that turns it on and off, and, and that's how it works. Okay. So what's the what's the benefit, I would say, for electric brewing with our herms versus electric brewing with our rims? I think I like the fact that the element doesn't touch the wart. Okay. So the element boils the water or heats the water, and we have a 50-foot coil that the wart passes through so that heat exchange is taking place in the hot liquor tank. Mm-hmm. through a coil so we don't have a hot burner that uh, especially if you've got a high gravity beer you know there is cases where you could scorch the wart especially if you have low circulation that's usually right. one of the biggest things with a uh, herms versus a rims is if you have a uh, low circulation or stuck circulation 
then that element will either burn the wart or pop or burn it and then pop, or it'll hit the breaker. So I like Herms because you just don't do that. If you have a, if, if your circulation slows down and you have to maintain it by stirring, everybody's been there, rice holes, you know, you don't have to worry about scorching anything. Right. Okay. It's so, just a lot easier way to brew. So I've been like, I just, it's new to me, we'll say, because mm-hmm. I went to one of my friends uh, who, who own a local brewery here and, you know, veterans take care of veterans, which is kind of nice in my little world. Yeah, that's and, cool. Uh, and um, I went in one day, we we're talking and I was just they were saying, what's going on with you, with your brewery? And I said, well, I'm looking at upgrading to a 20 gallon spike system. And like, oh, wow, what's that going to set you back? And I said, well, I have to give up my firstborn child for it. <laughs> yeah, and then some, right? <laughs> so they're like, oh, it's that much. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of expensive. So it's not going to happen right now, but it's going to happen eventually. So just don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, why? We have a 20-gallon pilot system we don't use anymore. Oh, lucky and, you. And I'm like, what? He says, it's got the control panel, the pumps, the heat exchanger, the, all the hosing, everything. We'll give you the veterans veterans price. Just come back next next Wednesday when no one else is around and we'll talk. Go in yeah. and I'm like, I walked out with this thing and now I'm looking at it. I'm like, where the hell do I start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be kind of overwhelming a little bit. Yeah. I mean, when, when you first get into um, brewing on a three vessel, because I'm used to doing it just an all in one. I mean, sure, it's, yeah. it's, it's been fantastic. But oh, yeah. What are some of the main things when you're getting into a three vessel herms that we really shouldn't know about? I mean, I have an idea of what watching what you and Todd did with the brow tag where the mm-hmm. hoses need to be connected, disconnected sure. and things like that. But I'm like, well, holy crap. What, what do you need for sparge water? What do you need for your strike water? What do you think? Like, there's a whole lot of questions that I mean, for someone who's just getting into something like sure. this uh, that are out there. It's um my best advice would be don't get overwhelmed because it's really not as difficult. I can understand with the hose set up and the circuits and uh, you got an element in the bowl kettle, element in the HLT. You can't run them at the same time unless you have a special um, controller that runs two circuits at the same time, but mm-hmm. it's real simple. The cool thing about a Harms system is your uh, HLT water is going to be your sparge water. So you just use that. It's already up to temp. Uh, yeah. You can do, a lot of people do mash outs. Todd does and I do. Uh, you have the ability to do that. Um, you can also, you can recirculate through every pump and you can do a, a one clean out, which is really nice. I take them all apart and clean them by hand, but uh, a lot of people do a CIP, just get all the, mm. the bulk grains out and then just flush it into like we've got a drain in our brew room so if we wanted to do a cfp i could do a rough clean out and then i could just rinse with a with a sprayer and just let it all go down the sink okay or the drain but uh, the cleaning's not bad temperature control is awesome uh you don't have to worry about scorching wart because of an element hitting the 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 wart Uh, you don't have to do a mash out if you don't want to you can just start sparging if you want to. It's real versatile. You have complete control over the mash and your pro, as far as your body. If you want to be beta the whole way, you can do that. If you want to mix a little beta and alpha for a little body on the end, you could do that too. It's, it's as close to commercial brewing as you're going to get without uh, the big expense. So the pilot system for you, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are perfect. saying, what are you going to do with all that beer? Well, uh, 
fridge drink it. <laughs> obviously but it's uh that but i can't drink 20 gallon i mean i probably could my wife would kill me but i i usually what i do is i keep five gallons for myself and then i'll package the rest and then mm-hmm. i have friends come what do you have in stock it's at the fridge is there donation jars there Take there you go and yeah, grain donation. bill jar yep that's that's perfect that's i couldn't have said it any better myself I know that with a with a Herm system, the one thing I would tell people to look out for is water to grain ratio. You always want to be 1.5 to 1, 1. Right. 1.5 quarts per pound of grain. Um, I've gone as high as two, two to one, and haven't had any uh, noticed a big difference in the in the in the profile and the way the beer tastes. You just want to promote good flow. As long as you have good flow, you're going to have sugars, you're going to have efficiency, and uh, you're going to have a better bat, uh, beer day. Okay, for sure. Yeah, because there's a few big beers that I've got planned, so I've got to try and figure out what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> so, I've got yeah two- so I would tell you to probably scale the recipe, the the volume down if it's a big beer, because yeah. you still want to have that ratio, and it's hard to do. With our 20-gallon setup, if we want to do anything over 8%, probably wouldn't be doing a 15-gallon batch, probably more like a 10, mm-hmm. because you've got to displace that grain with water the best you can, or you you sacrifice flow. You lose flow, you lose efficiency, um, and efficiency is everything, especially the price of grain nowadays. You want to oh, get as Lord. much sugar as you can get per pound for sure. So do you still use rice hulls in the bottom of your mansion? I, I, I'm a boring brewer is what Todd and Josh will tell you because I'm just all about pilsners and lagers and four and a half to 5%, no bigger than that. Mm-hmm. I like to have more than one beer without it making me want to go to sleep. So I, all my stuff's fairly light, you know, and, yeah. uh, and Todd here lately has been brewing these big six, seven, eight percent alcohol beers. And that's just not me. That's normal but here it, in Canada. It, is it really? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm mm. no, the brewery no. here at workout, uh, we released three Imperial stouts this year around the whole, uh, around January, February. The strongest oh, yeah? one was 10.5. Yeah, that's a whole different level of yeast pitching and and uh, you know, oxygenation on the wort and you know there's there's levels that you can go at. and I'll, people will call me from time to time and and you know ask me questions about a, per, a certain recipe or what and I always tell them look if you're gonna go big you you got to make sure you have your numbers your yeast cell numbers you got to make sure you have enough oxygen in there it'll it'll peter out every single time right you can't skimp on that so. You know, that's a whole big beer brewing is a whole different type of brewing. And most people that do it know what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, it, it is not for the faint of heart. I mean, I've maxed, no. I've maxed out the pipe, the malt pipe on the, on the Bruzella, like yeah. to, to the point where I thought oh, this is not going to work because I couldn't even see the overflow pipe anymore. That's how much oh, no. was in this thing. <laughs> so, yep. I mean, like Herms, before I can, what I've read is, Mm-hmm. like you like you're saying the way to go to be on for oh, yeah. e- for ease of use and co- I, I think consistency absolutely uh, yes but what are some benefits or cons to a rim system i mean they both uh, exist i i've actually never brewed on a rim system before um i would think there's less to do maybe on a rim system less equipment you know we mm-hmm. uh I just like I just like the fact that I've got a coil in, immersed in, in hot water and I don't have a, a pipe with an element that warts circulating through. Right. But there's some people that do that. I, I had uh, 
Oh, there was, I can't remember the YouTuber name, but he had built a rim system. You used to see those a lot out of beer kegs. Right. And, uh, and I had actually come real close to, to building one until I saw spike system. And we actually were lucky enough. Todd bought us the spike system for us for our brew room. Fantastic system. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that sold me on anything other than Herms. Okay. Because, you know, I just like the fact that you can't, you, you can't scorch the wart. It just seems a lot simpler to me and uh, cleanup is easier. Uh, now anybody y'all can comment if you have a rims, you'll probably disagree with me because I've never brewed on one, but it just seems to be, to me, it just makes more sense to, to not have to mess with that element in, in a pipe. Okay. So now you mentioned the brow tog and I, mm-hmm. and I promised Josh that we would talk about it. And sure. I, I've yeah. been watching you guys build like over the course talking and I see you guys using it. It looks yeah. like a really cool system. So tell me about it. it. Tell me about this beast. Well, we, uh, we, when we started off, it was all just kind of a, I'm going to build Todd one and then I'm going to build myself one. And uh, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And the hardest thing was the controller. You know, mm-hmm. so I literally bought the case on Amazon. I bought the, the the temperature controllers, the contactors, the relays, all the little wire connectors, the wiring. It took me probably a month or two to build it. Okay. And and we were sitting having a beer. We had actually brewed on the system. And Todd was like, what do you think about maybe down the road putting something like this out to sell? And I'll tell them, I said, I don't know. I was a little fearful about it because it's uh, th- those kind of price points are, you know, you, I, you don't, we don't sell one every day. I can just tell you that because it's a lot of money. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun getting everything together. You know, we had to source a vendor for the kettles and then we had to spec that out. And uh, the, the, the hardest thing that we had was the false bottom. That was the biggest issue that we had with our system. It kept collapsing. And the reason why, oh yeah, it, if you think about it, if you've got a big, massive grain, watered down grain, and you're recirculating through it, you've got a low pressure area underneath the false bottom. Oh, dead center. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what happens is, is, is you've got a vacuum. It generates, that pump can generate enough vacuum under that grain bill. It works like a hydraulic press against the false bottom. Right. So, I mean, we were collapsing stainless steel legs on this thing, but I wanted, I was adamant about doing, having it high enough above the ball valve. Most people, they'll run it this far off the bottom, collect from the center. Mm-hmm. We don't, it, it, it filters through the entire grain bed and falls two inches underneath. And the reason why I wanted to do that is we found that it's a lot more efficient when we have, instead of pulling from the center, it's dripping down into kind of like an all-in-one does yeah you know the basket sits above the element and you know it it falls down that the whole thing falls down versus pulling from the center that makes more sense to me than yeah than having like the mash tin that i got like uh my buddy was saying yeah there's a there's a false bottom and then i'm like i don't see a false bottom (laughs) yeah it's right there at high off the ground it's, it's got yeah. one of those little like like perforated metal discs with something connected to it like a hose connected yeah, to it. It's little, little, your false tube in the, yeah yeah i'm like and we we thought about doing that but i the more i thought about it i thought i found a, a, a manufacturer that 
punched the steel out and he put legs on it about that high. So happy when they brought the prototype in, I went ahead and set the system up. We had already sourced the controller parts mm -hmm. and uh, first batch, um, it's going, it's probably not one or two minutes in the bat in the batch and the, the, the wart coming into the mash tun started getting cloudy. Then it started getting chunky. And then there was pieces of grain going through and I was like, ah, crap. I know what this is. So I turned everything off, grabbed the bull kettle. Cause we weren't using it at the time and just started shoveling grain into it. Right. And sure enough, the, the, the false bottom was collapsed and wrinkled in a corner. So it was just shooting all the grain to the ball valve. Oh no! So I MacGyvered the heck out of that thing that day and saved the brew day, but I had to go into, I went into the warehouse and we had some two inch PVC pipe. So what I did was I just cut a bunch of pieces, two inches tall mm -hmm. and just threw them under the false bottom and kicked it back up again. And it, it didn't collapse, but I probably had a half a dozen underneath there supporting everything. Right. And that was when I told Todd, we're going to have to go back to square one on the false bottom. I thought we were going to have to go to a center pool, which I didn't want to do. Right. Um, so we contacted the manufacturer. They added more feet. And then we, and we, I have a friend that does oil field CNC equipment. Mm -hmm. And uh, he fabbed me out support rings out of stainless, 304 stainless steel. And he saved my butt because we were looking at it completely just ditching all the false bottoms we already bought and right. having to start from square one. And, uh. and our budget was pretty tight on the whole thing. Yeah. So we were able to, uh, he had some old uh, eight inch tube left over from a project. And he was able to get me enough parts to, to fix the false bottoms that we had. And, and we, and we actually, I've, I've never collapsed anything since. That's and awesome. We've, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty stout. It works really well. Thank God. <laughs> so are there generic false bombs you can buy to put inside of sure. a boil, boil kettle or not yep. or a mash tun or whatever? Absolutely. In fact, if you go on the best resource, if you're wanting to go to build or homemade build, Heck, you can find a false bottom for a, for an old keg. I don't. I didn't say that. And I know nobody takes a keg and a beer keg and cuts the top and turns it into a home a home brewing system. I've right. never seen that. But if you happen to, there's probably measure the inside diameter. There's probably a false bottom that'll fit that as well. Okay. There's lots of resources on Amazon, guys. If y'all want to build your own equipment, and that's totally down my road. I mean, I I love to build stuff from scratch to see how much money I can save. You know, building something that would have cost me you know, 10 times as much money, lots yeah, I, of, lots of neat things you can do. Oh yeah. I'm all about recycling stuff or, you know, or rehoming stuff. That's why like I reach out to my friends who are, who are brewers and I'm like, well, are you looking to get rid of anything? I'm like, well, what do you need? And I'll give them a list. And they're like, well, we don't use this anymore because we're playing on the big system now. So it's yours if you want it. I'm like, okay. Right. Then I bring it home. My wife's like, you have enough stuff. And I'm like, there's never enough stuff <laughs> to play with never enough stuff to play with you but, know ebay is another good resource too for for stuff like that it's funny you say that because i'm finding ebay's been more reliable to order stuff through and get it shipped across the border than it is going through like a mainstream homebrew store mm -hmm. ordering it from the states and they're like well you're on your own now to find a shipping company to bring it to you i'm like isn't uh, that amazing you know it's makes sense but, it's, it's what's so frustrating for me is I can order and ship to China easier than I can ship to our neighbors north. I mean, yeah. it, and it should not be that way. No, it shouldn't. And, and I, I have, 
you know, we have customers, uh, CM Becker customers in Canada that, that distribute our products. And I mean, the, the NAFTA forms are ridiculous and the paperwork's ridiculous. Something's not right. If you can ship to China way easier than you can to Canada. It's, it's gotten weirder. I mean, politics are politics and mm-hmm. no yeah, i would never dare bring anything like that up but yeah shipping like, still shipping. all i can all i can say is no politician ever plays nice yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all i'm gonna say because i don't yeah. like talking i agree that's so that's a, such a that's such a taboo topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is nowadays because it's also everything's so polarized it's one it's one extreme or the other there's no middle ground and it's that's, that's the one thing that's great about homebrewing uh, there's not a lot of politics in homebrewing. And that's what I like about homebrewing too. I, like I'll get together with my friends and as soon as someone starts, I was like, no, not here. Not Go. today, guys. And they're <laughs> like, what? You saw the rules when you came into the shop. <laughs> this is what we talk about, not this. But now back to what we were talking about because sure. I, I get distracted easy, you know, shiny object <laughs> syndrome. Um, kind of like Todd, not Todd, Josh. Sorry, Todd. Josh, sorry. exactly. Sorry, sorry, Todd. I didn't, I got you confused with Josh. Didn't mean to. <laughs> But now with the brow tag, um, mm-hmm. you mentioned like you could, like if you wanted to do something like uh, run your HLT at the same time as your boil tail, you needed an extra circuit on it. Did you guys ever yeah. think about having like that extra panel? Yeah. If somebody contacted us interested in doing that, then we could definitely, I could do that. No problem. I would just need to uh, give give them a custom quote on the cab because i build all the uh, controllers oh wow okay yeah yeah and i we had sat down and talked about it todd was he was a he thought maybe we ought to hire somebody to come in and do it and i just told todd i said you know what i've i've gone through a lot a big learning process over the years building these things and i said i don't really trust anybody to do it especially if we've got we've shipping these out to customers mm-hmm. in, in their house and because and, there's 30 amps at least running through that thing 220 you know if it's not built right or one one little connection on the power on the burner circuit is loose You're it'll screwed. smoke that contactor it'll burn the wire you know resistance is your enemy and uh, it'll do that and i've been through it before and mm-hmm. we had a batch of elements that we bought and they're track lamp elements and they have the twist lock nema connector on it just like we're using now well, I didn't check the contacts. There, there's actually a connection that converts that. There's lugs coming out the end of that tri-clamp element. And they made a, a fitting to, to fit over that to where you can put a plug on it. Mm-hmm. Well, those contacts have three screws. You've got your two, two 110s and your neutral. And if those aren't tight and loose, it'll burn the element. And we sent a system out last uh, December. And the customer plugged it up. Brude had everything going and it smoked the element. And I was like, ooh, this is not good. And he wasn't happy. He was super cool with me. I uh, shipped him out. Priority shipped an element out to him. He was able to use the other element because, you know, yeah. If you've got two, and if you're only using one at a time, you can just switch that around and, right. and make, make save your brew day. He's able to do that. He called me and I walked him through it. But come to find out, I, I had to go back and check because we have to get those elements, those heating elements from China. I'll be honest right. with you. You know, we just can't. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't find anybody where I could get it sourced here in the States for that kind of specialty 
part. Right. So now the new one, all the ones on the shelf, I pulled the parts and went through each one and half of them were loose. Holy so shit. yeah, if that hadn't happened, everything we shipped out beyond that, it, the failure rate would probably have been 40%. And that would have been terrible, especially would, if they were on Reddit or social media. Yeah. It would have killed our sales. So sometimes stuff like that can really help help you if you can catch it in time and, and thank god we were able to do that so growing pains little stuff like that the false bottom you know the controllers are, are pretty extensive it'll take me about eight hours to build one mm -hmm. um but because of the fact that i know i built it and i'm i don't if we have if we've hired somebody to put those together i'd worry every unit that went out i would worry about those units in the field you know because you just don't know you never know yeah not everybody is maybe as passionate about doing this stuff as I am. And uh, if it's just a paycheck and they're not really real concerned about quality control, then it, then it bothers me. Plus we, another thing that I do, every controller I build, I brew a batch of beer on it and I'll put a, I'll put a label on the inside door saying what I brewed, when I brewed it. And uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very, that's, just that's so very I know cool. peace of mind, I'm a worry wart. So every time we get a system and ship it out, I'm like, mm, I hope it's all right. I hope it's all right. So what are some of the things that we should be paying attention to when it comes to brewing electric with our Hermes coil? What are some, like, some, oh, that's some, the some cool thing about it. we should look at? Uh, there's not a lot of, not a lot of things to worry about with a Hermes coil other than maybe leaking into the, in the hot liquor tank. Um, we had a competitor that had the, uh, the coil just slid into connectors with an O-ring. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. I mean, you just slid it in and it had, uh, stainless steel with an o-ring and it, it held it it capt captured it but if you ever jostled the hlt for some reason and you didn't check that the minute you turn on the warp pump it would start pumping oh, ward into the hlt because the pipe had come loose right so you know little things like that we decided when we put that in our system that i use compression fittings stainless steel compression fittings so you can't take it out. You could, if you wanted to loosen it, really no need to, you can right. flush that coil without ever having to pull it out. And at least, and then we, we, we actually, I have a leak down tester that we, we put on the coil and we pump air into it, shut the valve off and it'll, it'll measure within uh, a half a pound and you can just let it sit there, mark, mark your needle place and you, you can see if it's going to hold or not. So little things like that, that would be about the only thing that I've run into with the Herms coil is, is it leaking into the HLT. It's pretty, uh, oh, and clean it. Just, right. you want to make sure and flush and clean it because I was brewing one day and I went to open the valves and it shot, oh, nasty, stinky wart all over me and all over the brew room. I mean, it was the kind of smell you've brewed. Yeah. That wart smell, especially in the summer, if you Todd has hogs, so I'll keep the grains and put it in a soap bucket. Oh, and if no. he doesn't pick it, it'll it'll pop. I mean, it, the, the bacteria, yep. the sugars get eaten by bacteria, and it starts to stinking, and that's uh, that's a smell. And like it's all, the only thing worse would be like a rotting corpse. It smells that bad. <laughs> so uh, when I was younger, growing up in the Maritimes, so I grew up in down in New Brunswick in Atlantic Canada. Oh, cool. And my uncle had in Nova Scotia had, well, he still does, has a huge dairy farm. Oh. And, and go and yeah, we have those here too. Yeah, you go and feed the cows, and he always, always trying to make sure the cows get their brew. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, Bruce? Just go in that room back there 
and you're going to see what I'm talking about. You have all like a shitload of spent grain and everything else mm-hmm. just there. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And he's like, well, you may not like it. The cows love it. And I'm like, absolutely. I'm they do. Yeah. Oh, there's, it's a terrible smell. So Todd, it, I had got there. Todd was in his office and that happened. And he came out of his office. What the hell is that smell? And he looked at me. You didn't flush the coal, did you? And I, no, I nope. didn't. I completely <laughs> forgot. So, are you just running like things like uh, PBW and all that through the, mm-hmm. the Hermes? We have a to make sure it's clean. Sure, we have a product called Brew Clean that K Connection sells, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a really good soap. I just mix it up in the HLT. You know, there's usually probably two or three gallons left in the HLT when I'm done brewing, mm-hmm. and I'll just I'll put a couple tablespoons of that in it, and. Um, circulate the coil first into a bucket until it runs clear and then i'll daisy chain the pumps and i'll just flush it through the coil through all the pumps back into the hlt and i'll just let it just let it run for several minutes by the time you're done you can you can i'll just top it i'll i'll dump it top it with some more warm water and let it rinse itself out and usually that's all you got to do you know cleaning up the element in the boil kettle you know, you have to scrub it pretty good because it is immersed in hot wort. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, there's really the cleanup isn't any worse than doing an all-in-one. There's just uh, a couple more vessels to do. The HLT really doesn't need any anything no. other than the coal flushed, the mash and the boil kettle. But what I do is I do it in stages. When I start my boil, I start cleaning the mash. When the boil's done, the mash is already the mash pot is already done. I can do the boil pot. I'm out. Usually 30 minutes after I finish brewing, I'm home. Maybe a pressure washer would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Another thing too, is if wherever you, if you decide to go with a three vessel Herm system, hopefully you have the forethought to get a drain in the floor and water installed in the wall, hot and cold water. Yeah. yeah. So we just got, uh, look, the, the family and I were moving out uh, about a 20 minutes away from where we are here in Ottawa in out into the country. We got mm-hmm. getting a brand new two-year-old house with a two-car heated garage. So nice. No more freezing my ass off when I'm outside brewing. (laughs) That's awesome. But right now, I mean, I'm getting the 200 amp panel and Mm -hmm. and everything else, but I haven't gotten water and all that out there. I mean, when I go in through the garage, I go into our mudroom, there's the laundry sink and everything else. I'm like, garden hose is my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in relation, where's the med the mudroom wall in relation to the garage? Is it is it on the can you go through the wall there? Oh yeah, I probably could. I mean, there's a huge crawl space that goes right up to the garage. So we're on a tankless uh, hot water system. So okay. I've, I've heard of those. I've never had one. I bet oh, they're, yeah. they're fantastic. fantastic. As soon as you hit, hit the hot water, it's like instant hot, which is fantastic. So I'm like, well, I could do that. Or if uh, I just keep collecting the water in the rain barrel, just oh, eat that would be really soft water too. Yeah, just use that and use that for cleaning and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder what it would be like to brew with. One way to find out now. I think you ought to do. I think you ought to. The, the, if I was testing the brewing water, especially rainwater, I would do the lightest, palest beer I could find. Well, the first that, beer up on the up on the on the menu that is going to be a uh, Mex- Mexican lager. Mm-hmm. so perfect that's going to be the perfect one so yeah you know. yeah the lighter of course you know the lighter the the more you you taste the water yeah so you don't hide it with a bunch of hops and a bunch of malted uh 
roasted malts, you know, so I would definitely do a Kolsch or a Mexican lager, any kind of light beer. I bet that's good. I bet rainwater beer would be delicious. Well, I'm going to have to get the, the well tested that we're going to be mm-hmm. on. Plus I'll probably also get the rainwater tested. Who knows? You never know what you have to add to it. So Right. You know, so, I don't, I, I went down that rabbit hole years ago and just said, Nope, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do water, or water salts. I call them. Yeah. The we dishes. just do RO. Yeah, yeah. Just do RO. Yeah. It's make it simple. That's what um, I was thinking was putting an RO filter in at the house and just mm-hmm. making my life a little easier, but yeah. I'm like there's so many other expenses I have to do the house right now. Like, yeah, we just had I'm a sure. huge storm rip through here. And I say it's still almost half to three quarters of the city is without power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, oh, need a standalone generator. <laughs> that has to get put in the house. Oh, definitely. And then I said, like, yeah, well, are those hard to get now? I bet uh, they are. Not, not that hard. It's the regular ones that are on wheels that you pull out and put away as you mm-hmm. need them. This one would be permanently tied into the house. So if the power drops, it kicks in right away. And runs off the propane tanks that we have for the house. So that's going to be happening. But it also means I get the brew. The power goes out. So, you know, it's all good. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) that's always good. Yeah, no no argument for me on that. Plus, you can ferment if you've got a a chiller Mm -hmm. and uh, you've got a keezer or kegerator, you've still got cold beer. I'm all for that. Exactly. Let's see. Well... What else do you think we should know about Herm's Coils, the Brow Tag, um, and it, or anything else? You could go to uh, browtag.com or Google it, and you can see our system. Um, we, we'd be more than happy to give you a quote if you want something specific. If you would like to do something on your own, there's great resources. Heck, look at what we've done. See if you can copy that. Uh, we talked about eBay as a good source. Mm-hmm. There's some people on there that probably tried the same thing and gave up, so you might be able to cash in on somebody's misfortune. I know that sounds bad, but I've restored cars for 30 years. So I got really good deals on people that kind of got in over their head. And, uh, and there's lots of really good videos on YouTube about people's setups and how they did this a certain way and why they did this. There's a way to make a three vessel harm system the way you want it. And it won't cost you $4,000, you know? The biggest thing would be the controller. Uh, you had mentioned the electric brewery. That's a fantastic website to go to. Good resources. Uh, I think they even have their schematics listed yeah. online. Um, just you can build anything you want under any budget. You can do a five-gallon harms if you wanted to. I wouldn't, but you know, I would do more more than what's, five gallons. You know? What's the point? <laughs> I mean, exactly. only reason I'm doing five gallons now is because that's all my Brazilian can handle. <laughs> exactly. And, and another thing, too, is the, the controllers don't have to be super elaborate. All, really, all you need is a temperature controller, a contact, and a 220 plug and an element. You know, there's elements, a hot water heater element that uses a pipe thread. I mean, you can, there's bulkhead fittings you can buy online where you can punch a hole in a stainless steel kettle or, uh, you know, this thing that you get from the commercial people that's called the half barrel keg, you know, you could, if you buy one of those at a swap meet, you know, there's, there's a lot of places. Bottom line is you don't have to buy a complete setup. If you want to get into harms, just MacGyver it, figure it out and you, you'll be there. I, it's the only way to brew my opinion. So here's my dig at Josh. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Oh, here we go. Oh yeah. Let's go. So 
have you guys actually trusted him to brew on the brow tag without breaking yeah. it? Oh yeah, this is so funny. The first time that we had, we the, the day we did the video on our website, you know, yeah. on, on their main page where there's a video of us brewing, Todd said, okay, Josh, here's the deal. He gave us, we, Todd's very good at writing up manuals. So he did the manual, the operating manual for the brow talk. He, he handed it to Josh and he said, I want you to brew a batch of beer on this. And he looked at me and he said, don't do anything. Don't help him. Don't instruct him or anything. I said, okay. Cause I'm bad about that. And he was able to brew a batch of beer, but when he was moving the hoses around to do the sparge, oh no, he left a valve open. <laughs> and I remember watching and I was like, and then he, he I, I give him credit. He pulled that thing off and there's hot wart coming out of the valve all over him. And he put the thing back on and I was like, shut the valve off and it was yeah. on the manual he just wasn't paying attention but oh, he burned gosh. himself pretty good in his hand too. <laughs> josh, josh but other than that and that beer came out pretty good he did a good job he's, was it, he's a turned into, it was a coals yeah go figure <laughs> <laughs> awesome well james thank you so much for the, the chuckle at uh at josh, josh's expense <laughs> i greatly appreciate it thank you for you your bet. insight onto the herm stuff it's great it's going to help me out. i know it's going to help a lot of my friends out as well i appreciate your time if there's anything we could ever do on, on our end please let us know happy to help yeah. out when we can and i'll say this if anybody's got any questions you're welcome to email me jcarlson at cmbecker.com or jcarlson at homebrewhappyhour.com and i'll be happy to help in any way i can Awesome. Guys, he's James. I'm Dan. Thanks for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way, and we'll see you on the other side. Mm -hmm.